This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Positive Choice Wellness Podcast. I am Annalise. I am an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And my name is Melanie. I am also an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And today we're going to dig into a really cool topic, I think. I think it's really cool too. (laughs) And useful to a lot of people because a lot of people are struggling with type 2 diabetes these days. Yeah. Or even being pre-diabetic and worried about getting type 2 diabetes. Yes. So we're going to dig in to a little bit of of what that is and Mm -hmm. why, you know, some of us struggle with that. And then we're going to talk about how we manage it with exercise. Yeah. I like that part. (laughs) Yes. And the managing part. Yes. Because there is, there is hope. It's not, it's not something that you are just doomed to deal with the rest of your life. It is something that you can manage effectively. Yeah. I, I feel like when people get the diagnosis, they're like, it's just a death sentence. And it's like, it's not though, because you can manage it. I've, I've met people who've put it in remission. If they do the right things, you can. Mm-hmm. So it's not an end all be all. There's ways to do it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yay. Yay. Because it involves exercise. Yay. <laughs> Okay, well let's let's start with just defining type 2 diabetes because I think some people don't under either know that there's two types or they don't know the difference. So type 1 diabetes is um, it, it can come about either genetically when you're young or it can come about from uh, certain viruses or medical complications later in life. But basically type 1 diabetes is, your pancreas doesn't make insulin. And insulin is what moves the sugar out of our blood into the cell. Kind of important. Very, very important. So that's type 1 diabetes. You don't make insulin, so that's why you need to inject it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Type 2 diabetes is we still make insulin, but over time, our cells have become a little bit immune to the amount of insulin we make, so we get worse at lowering our blood sugar. Yeah, like there'll be the insulin there, but the cells are like, eh, I'll wait. I don't need it right now. Even though you do, it's like, eh, I get this all the time. Just go away for a little bit. I need a nap. (laughs) (laughs) The the way that, that both Melanie and I explain this to our patients is imagine that you're, you have your cells, right? And you can, you can picture whatever cell you want, whatever cell your little heart desires. And our cells do all kinds of magical things but they need energy to do that. Yes. And the energy that our body uses is glucose. And when that glucose is in our blood, we call it blood sugar. Yep. Okay. Now, our cells can't just take that sugar in. They are locked. Yeah. They just sit there and sugar's there and like, cool. Yeah. They're just like, hi, but you can't come in. No. (laughs) But the door is locked. The door is locked, but... But that cell still needs that sugar. 
there comes the insulin. The insulin is the key to the lock. So the insulin comes along, it unlocks the cell, the sugar goes in, and then the cell can do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. Now, like with any good lock, the more that key gets used, the more that lock gets used, it can become kind of rusty. Yeah. And that's what happens to your cells when you have a constant onslaught of blood sugar and a constant onslaught of that insulin trying to get that sugar into the cells. Over time, those cell locks just don't open anymore. Yeah, it's basically the insulin will be there. It's it's just not going to work the way it's supposed to be. And then you kind of build up in that insulin and the cell's like, no, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. And then that's why you end up with high blood sugar levels that your body just can't seem to, to get rid of. Yeah. And something just to add to that too, if you have like unmanaged type 2 diabetes for extended periods of time, like a few years, you're just not taking care of yourself. You can eventually get type 2 1 diabetes or your pancreas is like, okay, I'm good. I'm done. I'm stop. I'll stop producing insulin now. And then you then will have to inject insulin because your body isn't producing it anymore. But that's like an extreme unmanaged, really bad scenario that most people don't typically get to, but it is a possibility. So you definitely want to keep your diabetes in check. Right. And, and one of the treatments to type 2 diabetes, even if you are still producing your insulin, is to get insulin injected because your locks are so rusty yep. that you need so much insulin that you can't even produce that anymore. You're basically desensitized to your own insulin. You, you, you produce it and your body is like, I get this so much, I'm not going to worry about it. And they have to add even more where it's like, oh, there's extra. Okay. That's not a good thing. We don't want to get to that point. We want to find a way to prevent that from happening or reversing it if it is happening. That's right. And here is, here's the fantastic news, is that our locks are not metal. Our locks are biological, which means that if they get breaks, they will heal themselves. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the, so the number one way that I hear a lot of our patients get advised is if you want to give those locks a break you need to change your diet and eat less sugar. That's usually the obvious first step. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, diet, dietary habits are the number one way you can combat diabetes because if you are eating an, un, an unhealthy diet, lots of sugar, lots of processed foods, including lots of saturated fats, that, that could lead to some problems. And if you remedy that first, hey, great step in the right direction moving forward. But... There is a whole nother avenue mm-hmm. that will help you on this journey. Yes. And that is exercise. Exactly. It is, it is the, the kind of the, the magical medication that we know exists, but we sometimes are reluctant to do. But we know it's there. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, if you have ever managed your blood sugar where you are monitoring it, you know that um, after you go out for a walk, your blood sugar is going to drop. Mm-hmm. And here's why. So excited. Here's the magical reason why. Let's go back to our cell with the broken lock. Okay. When we exercise, our cells unlock their own door. Yeah. The way I kind of describe it is like they, they need sugar now. And they're like, I can't wait for the insulin. Just open the doors and get it in here. And then they do. <laughs> right. So now you are clearing your blood sugar without the lock. 
So you're giving your lock a break to heal mm-hmm. and you are clearing your own blood sugar out. Yeah. Cause one of the things that exercise demands is glucose. When we exercise, that's one of the number one biological fuel sources that we utilize. Um, if anyone tells you it's fat, that is incorrect. You, you break it down later down the road when you're done exercising, but not during, we need glucose cause it's fast. Fat is not fast. Um, so anything telling you otherwise is wrong. So <laughs> just to point that out, simply put, <laughs> so you see fat burning zone incorrect, but anyways, so, you know, well, you might be in a fat burning zone, but you're, you're working at lower levels. Yeah. That's like your dog smells some stuff while you're on a walk. <laughs> so, you know, like if you get your heart rate up, this is more like you will use blood sugar up when you're moving in general, but you know, it's more effective at some sort of a, a heart rate level, moderate intensity, where you're going to see the most impact on your blood sugar. So getting that heart rate up, feeling like you're working a little bit, you can still have a conversation, but you're probably not singing along with your music. And that's really going to really fast track a lot of that glucose into the cells much more effectively than like a slow paced walk or something like that. Because it goes back to what you were talking about, about a quick energy source. Mm -hmm. So we actually burn the highest proportion of fat when we're sitting around doing nothing. Why aren't we skinnier? Because <laughs> it's a proportion based, and fat is very calorie dense, yes. as we know. <laughs> it doesn't but, take much fat to give us the energy we need. No. I mean, you figure a pound is 3,500 calories. Yeah, it's only a couple grams. We're good. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, when, when we're laying around, our body has the time it needs to like we're not having a high demand on on energy needs so our body has the time to go into that fat cell pull out the calories Mm -hmm. convert them to glucose use it when you're exercising now we don't have that time for conversion nope it's just an immediate need so you know the second you start getting your heart rate up your body's like okay glucose now and so what makes this especially great for for type 2 diabetics or even pre-diabetic folks is that it it just fast tracks that absorption rate. So you don't have to worry about insulin. Now, obviously little asterisks here, you want to make sure your blood sugar is not low before you get started. If you're type two diabetic, if your blood sugar is a low blood sugar and you say, I'm going to go exercise, you may pass out. And that's a diabetic emergency that we don't want to see you in. That's not safe. Don't do that. And I think I'm so glad you mentioned this. <laughs> I have to because it makes me scared. <laughs> because because things do change. If you are if you are pre-diabetic or you have type two diabetes and you are not on medication, you don't have to worry about this as much as once you are on medication. Yes. Because once you are on medication, you are now having almost an external moderator. And so if you change your diet, if you change your exercise routine, you have to start watching those those blood sugar levels because of what Melanie just said. Mm-hmm. You already have this this medication that's pulling your blood sugar down. So if you go out and exercise on top of that, that's where people get into these like two lows. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it just reminds me of like when I was brand new teaching, very very new instructor, like my first year here. And a woman came into my class and she was talking about how she'd been moving more and exercising and eating well and her blood sugar was going down. And so she would eat candy to bring her blood sugar back up. And I was like, what? (laughs) And so her solution to 
remedying her blood sugar situation was eating candy to solve the problem instead of getting off of the medication she was on to help with her blood sugar. She was helping her diabetes without realizing it, and she didn't know what to do, so she'd eat candy, which don't do that. <laughs> it just stuck. It just brought me back to that. I was like, that stuck with me for years because that was one of those, like, what kind of moments? Well, yeah, and I, I have had that as, as well with many patients over you know, over the years because it doesn't feel good to get low blood sugar. No. And and we don't want you to get low blood sugar. But when you are on medication and then you change your diet and your exercise routine, then your medication is now probably going to need to come down because mm-hmm. you're doing other things to help mitigate your blood sugar response. And I, I've had the same thing. They start eating healthier, and they say, this isn't working because now I'm getting lows and I don't feel good, so I ate a candy bar. And it's like, well, but now we're just feeding the medication. Yeah, we're sustaining the medication <laughs> level. We're not getting off the medication, which is the ultimate goal. Right. So IE, I think the overall advice is if you are on medication for diabetes and you start an exercise program, you start a new healthy eating program, you need to get in touch with your doctor mm-hmm. and make sure that you are monitoring your blood sugar and that you're working with your doctor to bring your medication down as needed. Yes, exactly. Um, cause I have seen that happen, which is really cool where, you know, people in my classes will start exercising more and, and, and eating well. And then they've already, and I always made the disclaimer, like talk to your doctor. And I had a gentleman get off of his medication and it was like the most exciting moment. And I had, I've seen it in as little as three weeks. I've seen it in as much as like several months, but it depends on, I guess, how hard you go or how much your body reacts, but it is doable typically in conjunction with a healthy diet. Like you can't out-exercise a poor diet. So if you're eating on not a great diet, you, there's no amount of exercise that's going to help you there. You could be healthier physiologically, but if you're eating a lot of sugar and cake and candy and, and junk food, and then you're like, but I exercise, that's not going to necessarily help you get off of medications long-term or at all. Right. <laughs> and although, although I will say I have known so many people who struggle with weight management so they are, you know, severely overeating, but they are also really good exercisers, long-term exercisers, and they don't present with diabetes or yeah. high blood pressure. They seem to not have as many issues with blood sugar issues, even if they are consistently overeating because they have, they're out there burning up that, mm-hmm. those sugars. Yeah, and that's fair. I think my reference is more to people who are already diabetic, and then they like, but let me add in exercise, and then you're probably just going to sustain that state. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, there, the, the thing I learned in my undergrad, like the first thing, is better to be overweight and in shape than normal weight and out of shape, because when you're in shape, you can mitigate a lot of some of the health issues that you see in folks who just don't exercise, <laughs> you know, like heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high heart rate, you know, all the things that come, come with the deal of not exercising can be found in someone of normal weight. Who's a normal BMI, who's, you know, skinny per se, yet they have the health of someone who should be morbidly obese because they're just not moving. So, you know, movement is, is exercise is medicine, uh-huh. but it really is. It, it really does do so much for us. And that's why it's so important. Like if you're trying to manage diabetes or you want to prevent it, get into some form of an exercise routine. Cause that is like the biggest thing you can do for yourself, for your health, regardless of what weight you're at. Absolutely. And 
you know, as we always preach, start small. Yeah, baby and no, steps. No start is too small. If it's three minutes of, you know, just walking in place in your house, then that's good enough. Yeah. You know, like I think that's where a lot of people get discouraged because we sit there and say, okay, so we need you to exercise and here's the expectations, you know, three to five days a week, a minimum of 30 minutes, ideally five days a week, 30 minutes um, or more. And people go, what? That's a lot. I don't know if I want to do that. And you say, well, it sounds like a lot now because you're not doing anything. (laughs) But when you ease into something, as we do with most things we incorporate into our lives, you don't just go in full hog. I'm doing the whole thing now. We don't expect that of you. That's your goal is to hit five days a week, 30 minutes a day. If you're looking at and going, that's too much for me currently. Yes, it probably is. But could you start with three or five minutes a day? of sporadic movement throughout the day and just track that and add a little bit each week until you feel comfortable and keep going. Cause that right there is how you can get into shape on your kind of at your own pace in a way that's not going to overwhelm you instead of jumping in, getting your heart rate too high, feeling like you're going to puke and go, well, this sucks. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> we see that far too often. And just that, that habit, I think what you just said about if it's three minutes every single day, that's going to be better than trying to get in, let's say, 10 minutes once a week. Mm-hmm. Because part of the whole thing is is building up a habit and showing up for yourself. It's not about how long you're exercising. It's about can you show up for the exercise on a daily basis? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're talking a lot about, like, exercise without truly defining the exact exercise. We're implying True. cardiovascular exercise is what we're, we're insinuating here. Um, you know, cardiovascular exercise being, like, a continuous repetitive movement that brings your heart rate up. Um, if you're on a pacemaker, it just makes you feel like you're working harder. Uh, so just to clarify, if you're on a pacemaker, yeah, you're going to feel it. You may not have a heart rate change. Either way, it's it's inclined to bring your heart rate up. So you're, you're active, you're moving. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be bicep curls. It's not going to be squats, even though that can get your heart rate up. That is not technically cardiovascular exercise because the demands you need for cardiovascular is glucose. But when you do strength training, that's kind of a different, you know, method of getting energy from your system. So it's not quite the same. You don't have demands for glucose the same way. Um, but pivot strength training is important. We could not not let that go. No, not at all. I mentioned it and we're going to talk about it. Um, Because strength training, while it doesn't necessarily help with diabetes in the moment, guess what it does? It builds more cells. And when there's more cells, there's more room for glucose uptake. Yes. And muscle cells are particularly efficient at taking up glucose. Yes. So you're kind of like building a little army of cells to take in that glucose. So the more strength training that you incorporate, the more muscle cells you get, the more cells to take in glucose. And now your cardiovascular exercise is even more so benefited. So I don't know what what is going to convince you not to do it at this point. Um, You should probably get that started. (laughs) I think we've made a pretty good case so far. I hope so. If you're not exercising... It will benefit you in every which way possible. And I always love to ask the question to my, my groups um, when I teach my classes. And I'll be like, so what is the best exercise? What is the best exercise for your health? What is the best exercise? Is there a miracle answer coming? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm not interested anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, it, it could, it, it's, it's one that you will do. That's the best exercise because... 
if we say go exercise and you say, do I have to run? No, no, not at all. Do you have to swim? No. What if I can't swim? Don't have to swim. Don't do it. Like do something that you are going to do and enjoy. Um, cause this is not meant to punish you. Like, how dare you get your sugar down go work out? Like that's not the intention. It, it's finding an activity where you're like, ah, oh, I can do that. That's okay. I, I like this. And then you're wanting to do more of it because you enjoy it. And that could be dancing. That could, I mean, some people really love gardening and they go out there and they work all day in their garden. And that could be, that could be a workout depending on what you're doing. You know, there's, there's a lot of things you can do that we don't consider exercise because, they're not treated as exercise, but if they get your heart rate up and they get you moving, they're exercise. And if you enjoy it even better. Yes. And I also, I love the visual of, you know, using the sugar. Like even if I just move my finger, like (laughs) that's a cookie. (laughs) No, it's not. No, definitely not a cookie. It's like a stick of gum. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but like, you know, if I'm if I'm waving my hands around while while I'm talking, or um, you know, every time you move something, you are using glucose. You are signaling those muscles that they need to work, and they need two essential things, which is oxygen and glucose. Mm-hmm. And so, the more movement you get around, the more that you're gonna uptake your own blood sugar and drop that blood sugar. Give those cells a break. Let them repair. Yeah, exactly. You know, it like we know that having high blood sugar can impact your ability to heal. So that's another thing. You know, if you if you start to lower that, your ability to heal becomes a little bit better. You know, there's some good good side effects that come with it on top of just the generalized health benefits of exercising too. You know, like you know, a whole talk on just why you should exercise. You know, there's a whole lot that can be said about it. Um, but you know, in the context of type two diabetes, it's such a big deal. If you're really trying to manage it and get it in control, you know, even if the diet isn't there, the exercise is a huge, huge piece to this puzzle because it's already, it's, it's taking glucose in, like you can eat well and that'll do something too. But if you're having a hard time, if you at least move that can reduce your blood sugar, at least a little bit to make it more manageable. Right. And I think it's, it's worth mentioning too, you know, having high blood sugar, having type two diabetes doesn't, it's not just theoretically bad. You know, there are lots of health issues that, that come along with it, starting with inflammation, you know, um, losing eyesight, losing feeling in your feet. And, and this all comes from having the excess sugar in your blood. Mm-hmm. And if you want to kind of get a visual of, of sugar, think of a really spiky molecule. Yeah, if you look at sugar under a microscope, it's spiky. It's, spi- it's literally spiky. So when you get high levels of sugar in your blood that you're not clearing out, think of a bunch of those spiky things running through your veins, doing little kind of scrapes all along your arteries, your veins, your your tissues. And that is what causes inflammation. The way that I explain that is, you know, if you want to get a visual, think about if, you know, you have a cat or a dog or you know, you scratch yourself on a rose bush or something. What happens to that scratch? We're raised and puffy. Right. It gets red, it, it's in flames, and 
that is exactly what's happening on an internal level. And that is the basis of so many diseases, including heart disease. One of the things that gets a, an artery clog started is the scab that forms on a scratch inside your artery. From inflammation. Yes, and then it collects the fat that's going through your bloodstream, and, and that's how, how we get on the road to a, you know, a heart attack. Yeah, it's, you know, it fat while well, like if you're to touch like oil like oh that's not sticky, but in the blood vessels it's sticky. And that's the problem with fat when it's in your system. Cholesterol's very sticky and it likes to stick to stuff. And you don't you don't want to have that problem. <laughs> you don't want sticky. You want it to keep moving through. And you know, like we again, we could go on and on about all the benefits of of just the exercise in general, but like another thing to think about too, you know, you're reducing the inflammations. There's, there's, you're pulling glucose out of the cells, less spiky things flowing through the cells. On top of that, the exercise is in strengthening your heart. So your heart's more efficient at pumping. So every beat is much more effective at doing its job than prior. So, you know, cause exercise is one of the best ways to strengthen your heart, specifically cardio. We think strength training is good for us strength wise for a lot of other things, but doesn't strengthen your heart cardio strengthens your heart that's the real muscle we got to think about <laughs> we want a good strong heart and then the more effective that is generally we have less buildup of cholesterol in the arteries because it prevents that because the it's, it's so much more effective at pumping blood you know we can go on it's just i, I love talking about this <laughs> and it also uses those two things yeah so when when we are exercisers we are constantly clearing out that blood sugar. And that's one of the reasons why the exercise has to happen every day mm -hmm. is because every day it is helping you reduce those little spiky molecules from accumulating in your blood. Yeah. And what they found, which I find fascinating, is that you can do, like, as long as you do at least 10 minutes in a single setting, you will have similar effects on your blood sugar and your heart health as you would if you were to do, like not exactly the same, but if you did 30 minutes, those same benefits are applied in a 10 minute span. Now, if you do 10, uh, 10 minutes, like three times in a day, you're gonna get even more benefit because you're getting that grand total. It's just, it's throughout the day that we, that we care about. We want you to do 10 minute increments throughout the day, not all at once necessarily, because I think the big discouraging factor is when people go, well, I don't have enough time. I don't have 30 minutes to go out there and exercise. Or, you know, I work all day. I work 12-hour shifts. But do you get breaks? Can you go for a power walk on your break? Can you walk up some stairs? Can you, you know, get a little bike thingy under your desk and pedal while you're at work? Or, you know, whatever. There's, there's lots of ways to incorporate it. Um, or when you get home, because you're not always working. You don't work 24 hours a day. You work 12 hours at the most, most likely, I hope. Um, and you'll have time when you're at home where you're probably sitting there, you know, lead chair effect, laying in your chair, not moving. You can get up and march in place during commercials on TV, you know? Little things you can do to incorporate it throughout the day matter. That's right. And then that all comes down to where where is it on your priority list? That's true. Is your, is your health truly at the top of your priority list or is it at the bottom where it's everything else and if I have time I'll deal with my health yeah that, I like to ask my classes um, to like make a list of the top three things that are priorities in their life without context I'm like make make a list top three things in your life what's your priority there's usually like family uh, spouse children work like the list is always like that kind of stuff I'm like where do you fall on your list they're like 
oh, I can be on there? Like, yeah, that's kind of the point. You, you can't, like, and this is because I think a lot of people who struggle with their weight or have issues with, with eating, we tend to be the caretaker types where we want to take care of everybody else in our lives, and then we kind of forget about ourselves along the way. Um, and the unfortunate side effect of that is our health tends to tank as a result because we're so focused on everyone else that we're, we're not our priority. Everyone else is. But think about this in the long term. I like to think forward. Like, what happens in 20, 30 years? You haven't managed your health for 20, 30 years. Now people got to take care of you. You're no longer that caretaker. You have to be taken care of because you didn't take care of yourself. Do you want to be in that position? Is that something that you're okay with? Or would you want to continue to have the independence and not needing someone to take care of you because you managed your health and you're good? And how can you be there for other people if you're not taking care of yourself? Come on. (laughs) You know, if you want to be there for other folks, you have to put yourself first in a way. Yes, it might feel selfish, but eating well and exercise is the kind of selfish I'm okay with. Well, we can also like analogize it to you got to put your oxygen mask on first mm-hmm. you know yep if if you can't breathe you're not helping anybody else nope you're not giving anybody like the the quality that you could be giving if you were you know giving yourself that first exactly exactly so you know th- think about where you fall on your own priority list is is exercise or, or eating well at the top of your list or anywhere in the top three, hopefully the top two. Um, and if it, if it does, then okay, that's good. But if you're not doing it and it's a hypothetical priority list this is where I get this sometimes we're like, Oh yeah, exercise and, and, and eating well. And I'm like, okay, are you doing this? No. Then how are they a priority if you're not doing them? Right. If they're a priority, it's something that you're doing, <laughs> not something you'd like to do. That's not how priority lists work. So it's something that you're actively participating in, actively doing, that makes it a priority in your life. So if you're not, what, think of ways that you could start incorporating that. What could you do to start making it a priority? And you don't have to jump too big. As we said before, earlier on, baby steps, ease into change, ease into new things. Mm-hmm. And on that same note, what can you let go of? Because we have to make time for these things. Oh, yeah. And so what can you let go of? Can you, you know, deal with a house that's not as clean? Mm-hmm. Can you deal with dishes in the sink overnight to give yourself that time to exercise? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, like, looking at things like that where if you're really feeling time crunched, you really feel like you don't have the time or energy to take care of your health – then everything has to go on the table as movable. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, not to, to have to say this, but if you have friends in your life who facilitate bad eating patterns, maybe you got to find other friends or new ways to hang out with said friends that are not involving food, you know? It, or involving exercise. Yeah. Friend dates where you walk, where you go hiking. We have hiking dates. They're That's great. That's right. We do. It's fun. I like that. And, you know, the, you can make you can make anything active fun if you come in with the right mindset. If you come in like, I hate this. Like, yeah, you're going to hate it. Like, come on. <laughs> but I, I always like to think of the underlying reason why we're doing anything. And, like, even in, on the days where I'm like, I don't want to exercise. I'm like, nope, but I'm going to because it's good for me. And I, and I know I will not hate myself later for this. And the amount of guilt you feel when you don't sometimes is, is doesn't outweigh like the not wanting to, or, well, I guess it 
doesn't, I, I don't know which, which I would say it now. I can't think of the right phrasing anymore, <laughs> but you know, when you, when you exercise and you don't feel like doing that, that's not as important as the guilt you feel when you don't is really the way I would phrase that. Well, and there's never been a workout that you'll regret doing, Yeah. but there's plenty of workouts you'll miss that you do regret. Yeah. So, so for managing your diabetes, you know, to, to keep your blood sugar in check, pre-diabetic, diabetic, whatever, wherever you may stand, obviously make sure if you're on medications that you're checking your blood sugar first <laughs> and working with your doctor and working with your doctor and, you know, start incorporating things gradually ease into it. Don't, don't expect things to happen overnight. I've seen it happen where people have changes dramatically in a week. Um, but you know, if it doesn't happen immediately, that's okay. Generally, the longer you've had diabetes, the longer it takes to see more of a change. Um, so, you know, earlier on in your diagnosis is a much better chance of you putting yourself back in remission than let's say 20 years down the road. But either way, it's still, there's still the ability to cause some positive change with your system. And so by incorporating some form of cardio, definitely some form of strength training, uh, you can absolutely facilitate more uh, absorption of glucose in your system. And you'll, you can kind of see some changes with medications if you're on them and, and you know, blood sugar regulation. That's right. And I think it's worth mentioning, I actually did have a patient who was 20 years type 2 diabetic on medication, and within three months, he was already off his medication. That's so cool. I know. Science is cool. Science is cool, <laughs> and um, our health practices are cool. Our bodies can be quite resilient, yes. um, and there's so much you can do to feel better. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there thinking like, okay, I, I like to incorporate something. I like to get started. Um, we have a YouTube channel. If you're, if you're listening to this, you're probably listening to it on our YouTube channel. Uh, and, uh, we have a lot of exercise videos on there. So you can do some of those if you want to get started and don't know where to start. Um, we also have personal trainers who, who work here. You can do virtual consults, um, with them as well. Uh, we have dietitians. If you're like, well, I want to work on dietary too. We got that too. We got it all, you know, come on down. We have, we have classes. Yeah. We have everything you could possibly want, need, and we are absolutely here to help you. Yes. So positivechoice.org. Yep. Everything you need to know, positivechoice.org. That's where you'll find all this fun stuff. Um, but it's about that time. Yes. So if you have any comments, questions, leave them in the comment field. But until next time, everybody. Bye.